All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now to elevate your game. Brought to you by Ram Elevators and Lifts. Forbes, best-rated residential elevators manufactured right here in Edmonton. Visit TrustRam.com for more information as we welcome I'm in a, well, a guy that probably elevates the golf ball and has elevated the golf ball more so than anybody uh, on the tee box. It's uh, Jason Zubak, five-time world long drive champion, one in the senior event too. Uh, Jace, long time since we've uh, spoken. Welcome to Sports 1440. Uh, you're with Kevin Carries and Grand Fear. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Kevin. It's great to be on with the, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, and a pretty good goalie in his own right. I'm just kidding. Uh, it's great to be on, Kevin. Uh, certainly an honor and a privilege for myself. Um, uh, one correction, uh, six World Long Drive Championships total, five in the Open Division, uh, you know, four of those yeah. in the road, uh, 96, 97, 98, 99. Book ended that one on the, my 10th anniversary in 2006. And then uh, – my first crack at the uh, old guys division, mm-hmm. which is 45 years and over, uh, won uh, the senior division. So a yeah. uh, little bit of success in the, the long drive realm, but it's awesome to be on and, yeah. um, you know, with uh, yourself and Grant. And um, I, I got to sh- I got to share a story with Grant and I yeah. uh, years ago when Grant was traded to the flame. So obviously uh, residing in Calgary uh, for a number of years and, uh, we have a, a, a facility here called Golf YYC now. Back in the day, it was called Eagle Quest Golf. Uh, since then, renamed uh, from Eagle Quest to uh, Golf Canada Center. It's right at uh, Deerfoot and Glenmore. And it was one of the only facilities at the time, the only outdoor facility in the winter months to hit balls. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you, you know, it would be frequented by hardcore golfers. They did have some overhead heating, but it never really functioned all that great. But the two craziest guys in the world, probably at that time, um, Grant Fuhrer and Jason Zubak, <laughs> out hitting golf balls on more days than not, minus 20 to 25 to minus 30, uh, whether, uh, you know, I, I always tell people, you know, Grant, Grant's, a, Grant's a professional golfer trapped in one of the world's best goalies bodies. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, it was just, it was, it was an amazing time where, yeah. you know, just, just these two crazy guys hitting balls in the, you know, right in the middle of winter in Calgary. And, uh, you know, Grant was way tougher than me though. I can tell you the truth. <laughs> he, um, he would just have like a, maybe a pullover, like a, you know, like a thin, uh, you know, like a thin pullover, maybe a sweater or these, you know, I had, you know, long underwear, two jackets and, you know, but anyway, that, that's yeah. uh, a little snapshot of that, you know, that early 2000s moment in time with uh, two crazy uh, golf guys here in Calgary. What do you remember about that, Grant? Oh, I remember spending a little time in the fresh air hitting balls, <laughs> but I remember, also remember a lot of time spending over time at Lyle's fiddling with golf clubs. Yeah, Lyle, so uh, Kevin, Lyle Helen, he was uh, one of the premier uh, club builders in, in the area for a long time. And, and uh, uh, he had a great facility where he had all the tools of the trade of club building. And uh, quite often, a lot of the guys that were into golf and especially, you know, golf tech and, uh, you know, and, and shafts and heads. And, you know, Grant's always been a tinker and, Grant, Grant, you know, Grant loves clubs. I, I'm sure his basement is 
um, you know, full of clubs as mine is. But uh, yeah, we would frequent uh, Lyle Helen's shop. Uh, at the time, it was called Simply Golf, and uh, it was a, a cool place to hang out and mm-hmm. you know see some different equipment, maybe do some some of your own work with you know pulling shafts and um, you know regripping and stuff. And it, it was it was a cool atmosphere uh, uh, being in uh, Lyle's business. And you were there too, lots, Grant. Um, I had my own chair there. <laughs> so I'll, I'll go with maybe lots. Yeah. Oh, boy. Jason Zubak with us. Kevin Carey's Grand Fuhrer in Sports 1440. So uh, I did kind of say, Jason, that you won five and then one more in the senior. But when when did you know when you were golfing, you know, when you were younger in the 80s? Obviously, you could hit a, a golf ball longer than most people when you were just playing recreationally. But when did you know that you wanted to kind of take it to that next level to go on the world stage on the pro long drives and everything like that yeah you know from a young age i had always been enamored by kind of these power movements in sport whether it be running fast uh, fast tennis or hitting the home run throwing the baseball as hard as possible um you know and golf was w- within that context as well where I, that was my prime focus on trying to hit the golf ball as far as humanly possible and you know thinking back when I was probably 14, 15, you know, with the old equipment, you know, a lot of people that are new to the game, they don't realize like some of the old, like we had wooden head golf clubs, Mm -hmm. the old persimmon and the title is Blatta golf ball. And, you know, back when I was 15, I I remember hitting it, you know, somewhere in that, you know, 330 range with, you know, really, you know, the old stuff. Right. So I knew, you know, something I always endeavored to do, hit it far and as hard as possible. And, um, you know, it just sort of followed me through my whole career. Um, you know, I, I had a, you know, relatively good junior career, relatively good amateur career as well. And I, I, I you know, kind of dabbled in trying to play a little bit while balancing mm-hmm. a full-time job as a pharmacist, you know, which was impossible task in itself. But um, I was playing in an Alberta Open qualifier and at uh, Pinoca, and playing with a fellow, a teaching pro from here in the Calgary area by the name of Levy Arcega. And he's like, man, you hit the golf ball crazy distance. We're having a qualifier for this World Long Grand Championship thing at my range. I suggest, you know, you come and give this a try. And, you know, I'd seen it on TV and that wasn't my primary focus. I just love hitting it far and trying to play good golf. But um, at that, that was my initial introduction to long drive at this large scale and I attended that event and I ended up winning it by 50 yards. And then my first trip to the world championship, um, you know, not knowing what to expect and everything, I won the whole thing and then won again, again, again. So, uh, I defended that title, you know, three times in a row, almost four times in a row. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, kind of bred from playing, and then when given that opportunity, I had to, you know, was lucky enough to uh, capitalize on it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Grant. So now, in the beginning, would you say you were one of the first guys that kind of brought fitness into the hitting, and also speed training? Yeah, I think so, Grant. The, you know, I, I sort of, you know, I'm not saying I'm like Tiger Woods, but you know, at the time, that fitness component wasn't really huge in the long drive game. There was, a, you know, if, if you watch on television and you've seen through the years, 
it, the sport in itself lends it lends itself to you know these bigger, stronger, faster athletes. So they're they're big dudes that um, either you know maybe came from other sports like track and field, football, baseball, hockey. As in Jamie Sadowski, and you know Jamie had always played golf as well. Um, one of the most accomplished long drive guys. Um, you know, just him and I both coming from Alberta. Uh, but yeah, like I, that was you know for me, I, I'm always very analytic in the way I look at things and, you know, and, and today even it's the exact same way I look at it. There's, you know, this physical preparedness, right. To be, you know, as strong and as fast as possible um, to have that mobility as well, to give my body the best chance at creating speed through this biggest range of motion. And then, you know, maximizing my technique, you know, golf technique, to be able to produce the absolute most clubhead speed and then optimizing my equipment. And I still look at, look at, look at, you know, hitting it far, optimizing a player's distance through, through those three lenses. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think, yeah, like I was uh, kind of one of the forerunners in, in long drive with respect to fitness. And, you know, a lot of the guys, you know, they took notice because I had a lot of success early on and, you know, they, they realized that I was using, you know, the strength, power, speed, uh, training to, you know, get an advantage. And, you know, it, it, it brought those guys as Tiger did with the tour guys. It, it made them elevate their physical game uh, to a level that they hadn't probably thought about or, or you know, uh, achieved before. Jason Zubak with us on Sports 1440. Kevin Carius, Grant Fuhr on a Tuesday morning. And you did mention Jamie Sedlowski, uh, Jason, and the fact, you know, if you look at, and we're so blessed when you think about it to have two world champs here in Alberta, but so different in, in stature, size, and, and everything like that. So can you just comment on the differences between how you two generate the speed, the power, the distance? Right. And so, you know, myself, um, you know, back in the day, I was probably 5'10". I probably lost about an inch in height, you know, just as aging goes <laughs> and such. Um, you know, Jamie, probably just a touch taller than me. So very similar in height. But you know, my, you know, my physique is, you know, more muscled than his. So, you know, in, in my, you know, peak days where this is what I did for a living and, and such, like I was right about 220 pounds. Um, you know, and, and tried to stay pretty lean. And that was kind of my sweet spot to produce, you know, the most speed, you know, in this balance of like the strength, power, speed, um, and then producing the most club head speed. You know, Jamie was considerably, uh, you know, um, he's, you know, people look at Jamie because he's smaller in stature, uh, you know, probably five, you know, five, ten and a half, something like that height wise, but, you know, 160, 165 mm -hmm. pounds. But, uh, you know, Jamie, again, being very strong, very um, flexible and using elastic. So using a lot of this, you know, stored energy, much like Kyle Berkshire does now, for those of you, you know, see uh, Kyle on the long drive stage. But, uh, yeah, Jamie, you know, he has some really spectacular mechanics when, you know, we break things down. And, you know, I've, I've had the, uh, you know, the uh, absolute pleasure and, and, uh, you know, being afforded the ability to um, have these relationships with the Titleist Performance Institute and such, and and also with companies that you know, w when we look at what's happening in the body, you know, from uh, you know these what we call kinematics, 
you know, the motion of the body throughout the golf swing, what exactly is happening. And then with kinetics, you know, what the forces and the, the torques or the, the twisting forces that are occurring. But, um, you know, if we looked at Jamie, um, it's really interesting in that when we look at how fast Jamie and I, we both move our hips mm-hmm. and, you know, we're super elite, even compared to the, the nor the like the average elite long drive guy. So you know, really good hip speed. And then we go up the chain. We look at like shoulders, how fast you know that what we call thorax or shoulder turn. And um, you know, mine was pretty good. Jamie's probably a little better than mine. Um, arm, you know, very fast on my side. You know, Jamie's arm fast as well. But where the magic where Jamie has was in the wrist, where he was able to take you know sort of these these um, portions of the body that are creating this rotational energy, like the pelvis, the thorax, hmm. um, and, and, and also the way he's using the ground and the arm and translate that to the club. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about lag and, you know, just this angle that's created between the lead arm and the club shaft, right? The more, you know, as we get in late downswing, we can, you know, that when we close that angle or the, the shaft gets closer to that forearm, there's more potential, you know, to, but we have to release that energy. But Jamie did an absolutely spectacular job of, you know, this lag in the swing, mm-hmm. uh, using this elastic energy and such. And, you know, it, it, I, I was more sort of brute power and force. You know, Jamie was more finesse and elastic, right? Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of ways to get it done. And then then you see on the opposite end of the spectrum, guys like Joe Miller, you know, 280 pounds at, uh, you know, you know six foot four, uh, and guys even bigger than him, Mike Dobbins, 6'9", 320. So there's this whole vast array of different body and shapes. But ultimately, you know, it's being able to get energy to the club and, you know, being – but you have to hit it in play as well, right? Yeah. So it's, you know, coming out of the center of the club face, being able to control, you know, how we deliver that club um, to the ball to produce, you know, the absolute maximum, you know, carry and roll and contending with different conditions. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Grant, if you've got one for Jason. I do. Yeah. So now as the population ages, what would be your number one exercise for guys to increase their swing speed? Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a great one, Grant, because that, that's sort of my, you know, where I I work every day, you know, from average players to guys that you see making millions of dollars uh, every week um, on television. And, you know, that, uh, you know, kind of this body swing connection is what we do at TPI, the Titleist Performance Institute, the, the leading organization with respect to, you know, this link of the body, you know, how the body and the swing sort of coexist. You know, like how one flu- how one influences the other, and how the other influences uh, reciprocally as well. The it's interesting because I, I I get that question so often. Like what you know, like what guys they'll say, give me your five best exercises for you know speed and power and such, right? And you know, it's it, it's a tough one because um, my my usual response to that is I've got thousands of you know, exercises, drills that are very effective, but I don't know what's effective for you. Right. So, um, you know, the, the way I like to think about it is that, you know, we, we need to kind of know who we're dealing with, right. Whether, 
you know, it's a younger player, older player and such. So, you know, I always like to, you know, get a history of the person, you know, just to see, you know, what they've done in the past. Do they have any injuries currently? Are they having anything that, that we're contending with? Because that changes their whole uh, approach, right? And then I like to do what we call a physical screen, like a physical assessment. And, and I do this with, you know, my, my aged golfers as well as my young golfers just to, to see um, this physical assessment would assess mobility, stability, balance, um, you know, all within sort of a golf context. And that uh, it's coming from our, our, what we call our TPI level one screen. And that, that just gives me some insight into what the player can do, right? Like if, you know, they're limited in their the ability to turn their hips, are they limited in their ability to turn their thorax or shoulders? Are they limited in the ability to get their, their hand high in the air? Are they limited with wrist mobility, right? Because all these things will change, you know, perhaps uh, technique that, uh, you know, would be more conducive for speed mm-hmm. and distance or even our training stuff, right? So then, you know, if, um, then I, lo- I like to look at their general physical preparedness, what we call GPP, what have they been doing? Like, have they been working out? Have they not been doing anything? And if they're a good candidate, like if they've been doing some stuff and they, uh, we, we have some screens, some lower body, upper body uh, clearance tests, I like to do some power testing. It's, and it's very simple. Like we, we do a bit of power testing and then that gives me some insight into um, the power sources that they're using, maybe effectively, maybe ineffectively. Right. And then maybe a little bit of strength testing. And a lot of these are very simple tests that I do. And, but that gives me a good, uh, you know, idea. And then where we're starting out club head speed and ball speed, because ultimately it doesn't matter, you know, what your physical makeup is, Ultimately, it's, hey, let, let's look at your club at speed. Mm-hmm. Let's look at your ball speed, right? Yeah. And then, you know, we then I utilize another tool called a, a dual 3D uh, dual force plate. And that tells us what we're, what we're doing with the ground. You know, there's this term ground reaction forces that are, uh, you know, very, very uh, prominent in today. Like you see it mentioned in nearly every broadcast how the player is using the ground. And um, it, it's very important because mm-hmm. the way that, because our only, our only connections in golf are to the ground with our feet and to the club through our hands, right? The hands is a tough one because we've never been able to really analyze that, but we can certainly with this new 3D dual force plate technology, we can tell what's happening. It, it tells us the story of motion in the golf swing through our feet because what we do at that ground foot interface, it, you know, it creates motion, it stabilizes motion, it counterbalances motion, and it tells us what we're doing during the swing. So, um, you know, my thought is, you know, I kind of want to have this great picture, but, you know, one of the big things, Grant, you know, to getting a little bit more specific, your question is that, as people get older, we lose mobility, right? So that's one of the biggest things. Like you're not as flexible and I'm not as flexible as, you know, I was 20 years ago, right? So, um, you know, mobility is huge. And, you know, just that level one screen. So, you know, some simple things that we can do to work on mobility in the golf swing. Quite often as the player ages, we lose this thoracic mobility or the ability to sort of efficiently turn in the golf swing. Uh, you know, we'll lose hip mobility. I often will see, you know, some of the shoulder mobility. We get uh, some tightness um, that prevents the hands from, you know, getting in a position where, where we can efficiently use that to create speed. Um, and as people age, we, we tend to, 
you know, if you're not putting the time in the gym, you know, like even, even some stuff with, you know, balance and coordination, you know, this goes, this goes a long way to improving, you know, just not, not even the golf swing, which it does, but the, you know, the quality of life. Mm -hmm. Right. And just some simple stuff. But again, you know, as we, as we age, you know, we lose that mobility, we lose strength. You got to keep that up and we lose. And, and the bigger implication is we lose speed. And if we're not doing anything with velocity um, as we age, you know, it, it doesn't have to be running sprints and stuff like that, but just, you know, moving a little quicker, you know, this, this capacity to move fast, we lose that way faster than we lose actual strength. Mm -hmm. So these are important physical qualities, um, yeah. you know, not only for general life stuff, but, you know, if you want to, mm -hmm. you know, be performing at an optimal level with golf. Yeah. Hey, Grant, have you found yourself, I guess, as you've got a little yes. older, getting older, <laughs> trying to incorporate some of the things Jason's been talking about here um, to, you know, keep your game to where you want it? Yeah. I still stretch a lot. I mean, I, I found that flexibility makes a big difference and yeah, I should probably spend a few more minutes in the gym, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I'm still a golf junkie and I'd rather spend those extra few minutes out on the golf course, but <laughs> yeah. no. Uh, Jason Zubek with us, World Long Drive champion, uh, five time, and then one in the seniors. Uh, how? How? What's the furthest you've ever hit a golf ball, Jason? Do you have a a number? I, I, I do. It, you know, it's kind of a loaded question because, um, you know, at, at the World Championship, your your longest one often will occur in some of the qualifying rounds. So that you know, it, it's just more of a a means to the end, right? Like where they're. You know, I remember in, in 1997, I hit it over 400 yards in every round of the competition. Mm -hmm. And, you know, something that's never been done or something that wasn't done up until that date. And um, I'm not sure if it's been done since, uh, you know, maybe at some of these, you know, extremely elevated yeah. when the guys are hitting in Denver and, and such. But um, the, you know, in competition, 468 was my longest. <laughs> and then on the you know, on the course was 520, right? But you get the, when you have the, this tsunami of, you know, all the things coming together at the same time where you got the rock hard fairway, you got, you know, uh, a big win behind you, mm -hmm. you hit it perfect, right? So um, uh, one competition in, Nevada, in yeah. uh, Mesquite, Nevada, I actually uh, all carry 430 yards, 10 and 51, 64, seven inch, which we actually submitted to Guinness. Um, down airport runway, 714.1 <laughs> yards when we were um, at the old Atwater Air Force Base in, uh, in California, in Northern Cal. And, uh, but, you know, it's sort of a loaded question because, yeah. you, you know, like, uh, you know, at sea level, into the wind, wet fairway, it's, you know, Greg could attest to it. It's not going very far, yeah. but, you know, you're playing in Denver downwind, you know, it's going to go far. Yeah, you brought up the name Kyle Berkshire, uh, yeah. Jason, and he, I think last fall he had one at 579 in Wyoming. So yes. elevation and, and other things come into play, as you said. So um, what did you think, uh, Jason, of, of uh, Nick Taylor winning the WM Phoenix Open? God, it was it was great stuff. I uh, you know obviously a big fan of uh, golf in general, but Canadian golf, right? And just see the evolution of the the young guys. It, you know, Nick uh, with his win in, at the Canadian Open last year was you know spectacular. Obviously, uh, a Canadian winning the Canadian Open, and 
you know, I, you know, Grant can, you know, Grant could speak to this, but you know, this just this aspect of winning, right? Being, you know, you know, validating uh, your process, you know, validating your team, right? And it it breeds, you know, success breeds success, right? And um, I think you know he's at a great spot, you know, along with, you know, we've got a tremendous contingent uh, co- contingent of guys like Corey Connors and. Uh, uh, you know, we could go down the list. Um, Adam Hadwin, um, uh, uh, Taylor Pendrith, mm-hmm. you know, Adam Svensson, right? Like I could go down, yeah. but uh, you know, we're becoming, you know, a pretty, you know, for a small country, you know, a quite, quite a golf power, but yeah, it was awesome to see. I, I felt bad for Charlie cause I've got a, you know, somewhat of a personal connection. He's, he's a Titleist guy, um, as Nick is, but Charlie's been, you know, uh, you know, been with Titleist his whole career. Uh, Charlie lives down in the San Diego area and he works very, um, very closely with Dr. Greg Rose, which is, um, uh, one of the founders of TPI. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Charlie, you know, the, you know, they alluded to like, he's had some injuries over the past three years. He's, he's getting up in age like 47, but you know, Charlie's always been a great ball striker. Um, you know, he, he's had some, some, some injuries that he's had to contend with and a skin cancer issue yeah. last year where he had a good portion of um, his, his forearm actually removed uh, with respect to the skin, skin cancer surgery. And, um, you know, I, you know, I was happy for Dick, but I was pulling, you know, I was pulled for Charlie because, uh, you know, a great story and stuff. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome to see. And, uh, I, you know, I, I really, I really enjoyed, uh, you know, maybe not some of the sh- shenanigans at the Waste Management Phoenix yeah. Open as I've, I've attended multiple times in the past. And I don't think I would even go now, to be honest. Like, I, you can ask Grant as well. Like, yeah. you know, we, we enjoy golf, but I'm not there to, like, I, I love watching the guys play and, you know, people being disrespectful to the players, you know, you know, maybe this is what, what golf is going, but I enjoy watching guys play good golf and being respectful to the game, but maybe I'm just, you know, getting up at age. Yeah. Have you got a thought on that grant? No, I agree with Jason on that. If I go to a golf tournament, I'm going to watch the golf mm-hmm. and the fact that guys are heckling players, that sort of thing. That's hockey. Okay. I get that. Mm-hmm. But the game of golf is a gentleman's game, and it needs to remain that way. I mean, yes, it's moving into the future, but at the same time, there still has to be a little bit of respect to it, and it kind of crossed the line in the respect side. I thought it got a little out of hand on Saturday. I didn't like the the announcers with Kisner and Smiley down on on the, the hole, really commentating from the hole. I thought it brought too much of a, a WWE element to it. But um, I always kind of end segments like this, Jason, with the chance when we have Grant on, and you obviously followed Grant's career. And as you said, when he got to Calgary, you're on the driving range and things like that together. But uh, if you've got a question or anything uh, hockey or golf related or anything that you would uh, uh, kind of throw out in this uh, forum for our listeners, uh, go ahead, uh, Jason, and then Grant, you can answer. Yeah, like for Grant, obviously, you know, I was there going to school in the heydays of the Oilers, right? And um, I wanted to ask Grant with what – you know, obviously, so much, so so much accomplishment, so many accomplishments. Like, is there one thing that stood out in your career, Grant, that you know was you know extra special, um, you know, in any respect, you know, with 
either team performance or let, let me let, let me change that a bit with respect to team and then obviously hockey's not an individual sport but on your individual um, accomplishment side um, I think individually longevity was something that I always wanted so we managed to succeed in that side of it and team wise I think the greatest thing you get out of the game besides playing is the people in the game and the friendships in the game and that they're lifelong. And I think that's one of the biggest takes I've got on the game that I got out of the game besides hanging around for a long time was all the friendships I got out of the game. Hmm. Definitely. The, um, yeah. I, I was also going to ask, you know, obviously you had substantial barriers when you for like, I'm just thinking, you know, when you grew, you know, grew up playing the game, and could you speak a, a bit about the barriers that you had to overcome, uh, you know, in youth hockey and then even at that major junior level and then into the NHL? Uh, you know what? I, I came from a not a rich family. So cost was one of the huge barriers as a kid, especially for a goalie with the cost of goalie equipment and that sort of thing. And my parents did a phenomenal job of allowing me to play. And then also being a mixed race person, your opportunities aren't quite as big. So you've got to be a hair better than everybody else. But I also got a ton of support along the way where I could push myself along. And then junior, I was pretty lucky. I ran into a pretty good club in Victoria where we were very skilled and you were just a piece of the puzzle. And then turning, once I turned pro, I, you got six of the best players in the world to hang out with. So you're kind of a side note to things and I get to hide in the back with a mask on. So I get pretty fortunate in that sense where I was allowed to get comfortable early. And then as things progressed, yeah, we had read some racial issues in Buffalo and that sort of thing. But by then I was prepared for it. So I was pretty fortunate by the time we had any real barriers that I'd already had 11, 12 years in the national hockey league and was able to deal with it. The way, kind of the way my parents raised me where you, you don't give those people the time of day. You just go about your business and do what's right for you and right for your team. Yeah. Uh, well said. Uh, really well said, Grant. Uh, Jason, can't thank you enough for spending a good, well, we went way over a good half an hour uh, with, with Grant. Really appreciate your insight on um, especially how to keep generating power and, and uh, speed and everything like that in a, in a person's golf swing as they get older, because everyone's still, I mean, everyone right now listening to this can't wait to get out to hit some balls they want to get to the range they want to get you know we're not too far from golf season around the corner here so thanks so much for your time appreciate it and uh, we'll talk talk soon thanks jason great to be on thanks kevin thanks grant it's always a pleasure that's my it. pleasure jason jason zubak world long drive champion five times and then one in the senior and man the the, the explosiveness uh, grant eh? when i guess when and you seen him would have seen him hit lots of balls at even so that's 25 years ago when you guys were in calgary so right uh, when we were almost young yeah yeah i mean the sound coming off the club is just uh, even when it would have been cold in, in that on that driving range in calgary still pretty loud huh oh no it's different there's yeah. no question about it but it was you know what it was fun and it's the technical side of golf i still like so it's fun talking to jason and guys like that that are into the technical side 
the, the fitness side, the speed side, and huh. just learning more and more about the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was Elevate Your Game by Ram Elevators and Lifts, manufacturing the safest elevators since 1987. TrustRam.com. We'll get to some of your uh, texts when we come back. Sports 1440, Kevin Carries, Grant Fear, stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Boy, some interesting uh, comments from uh, World Long Drive champion Jason Zubak. Grant Fuhr with us, uh, Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. A lot of those, uh, I guess, drills and stretching, Grant, as you said, for you, you want to spend more time on the uh, the range or golfing or maybe, you know, on the putting green. But so important, I think, just to make sure that you have that ability to, um, I guess, generate the power, the speed, because once you lose that, you're... It seems like you're just kind of behind the eight ball when it comes to addressing the ball and everything like that. Yeah, I mean, flexibility is obviously important. And then they've got all these speed training gizmos that are out now. I've got one called a rip stick, which is just basically a weighted club that you swing to generate speed. And you swing it right-handed, you swing it left-handed to balance out your body. And what's the other one? There's another one called Mm -hmm. the stack that's really good. So there's a lot of different things out now that you can fiddle around with at home. Yeah. That, that whip stick, that's the one with the heavy ball in the end? No, yeah. that's the orange whip. Okay. I've got that too. So <laughs> I've got lots of little gizmos around that I can fill around with. Are you, You're walking out of the house sometimes looking like uh, Kevin Costner and Tin Cup in that one part of the movie or what? No, I've always got one <laughs> swing aid in the bag that I'll warm up with first before I actually hit a couple of balls before I play. Mm-hmm. What do, there, there's another thing. You see so many golfers, they get to the course, they might have an 11 o'clock tee time and they roll in the parking lot at you know, 10 to 11, uh, and they just don't have the, they're not warming up properly. They're, and by the time they get things going, a third of the round's over, you know? Yeah, and you know what? You see that a lot. Yeah. I used to be able to do that, but the body doesn't quite allow me to do that anymore now. So I kind of cheat the system a little bit. <laughs> I've got a back thing by High Price that's got heat and massage in it. So I'll throw that on as I'm driving in the car. And then I've got a weighted club that I'll swing a little bit before. Mm-hmm. And then I still like to hit, 20 or 25 golf balls before I go play. <laughs> uh, text coming in uh, to one 1440 Duke's bro- buddy, the king of Fort Nasty, says, damn, I was going to get you to ask Zubak why my drive is like a boomerang. Well, I would imagine the, the king of Fort Nasty has a few pops before and during the round. Maybe that has something to do with it. Nails texts in. Jason spoke of two golf tournaments that I was at, just corporate stuff. He talked briefly before we hit the course, hit balls a mile. Needless to say, the course gained every sleeve of balls back in the first three holes. So, yeah. Um, other texts that we uh, didn't get to earlier, Grant, and this was a text that came in from Rockford. How does Mr. Fuhrer feel the 80s Oilers would stack up against the current Oilers in a seven-game series. That's a tough one when you're always comparing, you know, different generations, different eras. But your thoughts on that text, Grant? Um, I think our guys would hold our own. <laughs> I would think so. I mean, we could play pretty much any style. We could play the run and gun. We could play the tough checking. We could play the heavy game where if it gets a little mean and nasty, we had a few gentlemen that could look after that. So... Yeah, you know what? Different eras are hard to compare, but if we took our 80s squads in the prime versus the mm-hmm. current squad in the prime, I think we'd be okay. 
I always, whenever a, a, a question or an example comes up like this, Grant, I always remember the great Ty Cobb, and he was a son of a gun off the field, but obviously one of the most feared uh, uh, players on the field. Uh, he was asked, uh, he did a banquet, like, you know, whatever, in, in 1950 or 60 or whatever it was after he was done playing, and someone asked him, Ty Cobb, you had a, 300, a 367 career batting average. What would you hit in today's great pitching? How would you? What would your average be? And he went, I don't know, about 260 or so. And everyone went, 260? He goes, yeah, I'm 70 years old now. Oh, yeah. Well, that'd be the great thing. We'd, we're all a little older now. We wouldn't fare very well in today's game at our age. Yeah. Um, we touched on a little bit, uh, Grant, about the Super Bowl. So you, after the golf ended, I guess you could kind of – Focus a little more. Right to the Super Bowl. So yeah. it was perfect. What'd you think? <laughs> I thought it was a great game. I mean, everybody knew it was going to be a close game. I didn't think the defenses would dominate as much as they did, but it was fun to watch. Did you have a dog in the fight a little bit, or would you say, uh, because San Fran and Green Bay, your favorite team, the Packers, have a pretty storied history, and obviously uh, San Fran knocked Green Bay out, were you pulling a little more for KC, or did you care? Um, I didn't have a dog in the fight, but I've got a lot of friends that are KC fans. So I was pulling for whoever won the pool that managed to make me some money, but apparently it didn't work out either way. So had they kicked the convert in overtime, then I'd have been a definite KC fan. <laughs> uh, did you have any little wagers, little little prop bets going, anything? No, nah, just the pool at the office. Yeah. That was the only thing. Uh, you know what, Grant? We had our, our uh, fantasy football league we put together some bets we had a bet for 28 bucks that uh, we laid down for uh, a non non quarterback to throw a touchdown pass and that of course that's a pretty good one yeah and of course it happened and the odds were astronomical picked up uh, a few bucks on that one so uh, nice to see you on that. Uh, when we come back, we'll wrap things up with the uh, Grand Fear on Sports 1440. It's the Kevin Carey Show. Stay with us. Well, that's a popular riff, Duke. You pull out of the woodworks. This is the first time for uh, that song coming on this show. I know that. Yeah, I, I, sometimes I just type rant because every song in the library has like an identifier number, right? That yeah. I categorize it. So sometimes I just throw in three random numbers and see what comes up. And this one was the top <laughs> of the list. I was like, hey, that's a great song. Wow. That's a, yeah, I mean, that's an old one from the day, isn't it, Grant? That is going back a little ways. <laughs> uh, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you, Grant, in the sense of uh, we're finally going to get best on best. There was some talk about the double IHF with uh, what's happening in Russia moving forward and uh, it, with Russia, Ukraine, etc. cetera. Uh, don't want to get into that, but next year they'll have the, the best on best for the first time in a long time. And you, I mean, thir- you just first a, th- a thought back to when you did the best on best in the 87 Canada Cups and how much you enjoyed playing those. No, you love playing in those things and you like to see best on best. I mean, I think fans like to see it. I know the players love it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing best on best again. So it's it's called the Four Nations Cup. It'll run basically next year at this time, uh, a year from now to take over the All-Star game. But it's technically not best on best when you just have U.S., Sweden, Finland, Canada. But it's everyone's starting to say, well, who's going to play with whom on Canada? What's the roster going to look like? So just one question to start. Connor McDavid is, you know, world-class. Nathan McKinnon is having a, uh, you know, a heart trophy type of season. If if you were coach of this team, Grant, would you have Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon playing on the same line? 
Yeah, I could see that. Okay. I think it'd be a lot of fun, actually. Would it be tougher? What would be a detriment to it? Could you see maybe not as much chemistry as maybe some people might think? I think it takes a little bit of time to get chemistry, but they're both very smart hockey players. I'm sure they read off each other pretty quickly. It just might take a game or two, and you don't have a game or two to find chemistry and those sort of things. Mm-hmm. So that would be the toughest part. So, again, that's so so difficult to... I guess attain quickly, and to, in on all honesty, who, whoever is putting this team together and and setting lines, basically, this could be kind of a dry run for 2026 and the Olympics. But there's so many great players that are some are advancing a little bit in age. A guy like Steven Stamkos, who's in the mix here, Connor Bedard. Now there's a guy that's still so young, just kind of you know getting his feet wet into the NHL scene. He's obviously in the mix here um is a guy yeah, Sidney Crosby in there yeah another guy Sidney Crosby so there's there's another thing would you have Sidney Crosby Nathan McKinnon Brad Marchand that's an all Nova Scotia line everyone kind of talks about so there, there's so many options what, what would you what, what would you say about that line a McKinnon Crosby Marchand line be another good one I mean that's the beauty of Canadian hockey is you could probably build two or three teams mm-hmm trying to decipher it all and break it down to one team. There's always going to be somebody left out that probably deserves to be there. But at the same time, you can't really go wrong. Mm -hmm. Where would you sit with goaltenders right now? If you, I would imagine there would be three of them, three goaltenders on this for the four nations cup a year from now, who would you have? Uh, Flurry, if he's still playing as your veteran guy. Um, well, let's see. Would you have Stu Skinner? Stu, I would definitely put in there. Okay. I would, I would have put Carter Hart in there, but there's a little wrinkle in there. Yeah. Um, so now you've got to go to. Would you go to a guy like, like, uh, Aiden Hill? Would you go like Aiden Hill played well against the Oilers the other night uh, and played so well last year in the playoffs? Where, where does he stand for you? I think it, I think you invite probably four or five guys. Okay. If you're gonna if you're gonna get a couple of days for a little training camp, you probably I, invite four or five. I would put Hill in there. Yeah. I, I don't know um, if there would be a camp though, Grant, just because of the fact like it's not like how you guys did it back in eighty seven where you had more time, more lead up time. I, I would imagine the roster's kinda gonna be set with maybe maybe a seventh defenseman, maybe, you know, the thirteenth forward, just because we're looking at an eight eight, nine-day stretch here during the All-Star break. Yeah, I mean, you would obviously take your hottest guys. Okay. Especially when it comes to a goalie. You want guys that are playing well. So, again, that would dictate itself, is who are your hottest guys, and you'd kind of run with it from there. Mm-hmm. Tristan Jerry is the other one that, you know. Would, yeah, he's been good. His name would get. He's played very well. So, again, you go, it could be pretty much anybody. Mm-hmm. You just you want to find the hot guys because in a short deal like that, your hot guys are going to be your best option. And in a in a quick little tournament like that, what about uh, on defense? Would a guy like Darnell Nurse, would he be a guy that you would go, this is a type of player that we could look at because he he's kind of that guy that could play offense if you need, but obviously defense. There's a lot of That's great somebody- yeah, there's a lot of good Canadian defensemen too. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the other great thing is, again, you get the option of sitting back and looking to see who's playing well. Mm -hmm. And 
you can't really count anybody out until you get to within no oh, couple three weeks of the tournament. Yeah. Then you then you whittle it down to by who's playing the best, who fits what role you're looking for, and you build that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grant Fuhr, thanks for uh, hopping on as you do every Tuesday. What's on the go? When is Coachella Valley playing again? What's the schedule this week? Uh, this week we've got Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and then I'm going to marry my youngest daughter. Whoa. She's getting married. She's getting married over in Thailand, so I'm going to miss you for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So what's the schedule? So when are you leaving for that? Monday. Monday. So leave this Monday and you're gone for two weeks. Wow. Holy smoke. Yeah. I got a little 22 hour flight on Monday. So <laughs> what was it? Just uh, Thailand was it like, uh, why Thailand? Why that? Why that? No, they, they went on a vacation there and found a spot that they loved and decided that's where they wanted to get married. Yeah. So oh, Lisa man. and I are jumping on an airplane and making the adventure across. Oh, that'd be, that's going to be so cool. So uh, we'll get your exact schedule coming up to, so we know what's shaking here, but uh, have a great trip. Uh, enjoyed our time today and uh, best of success this week for Coachella Valley and uh, good luck to your daughter and the family and everything. I thank you and we'll talk to you soon. All right, that's Grant Fuhr, our co-host every Tuesday from 9 to 11 and now off to be the marrying man, so to speak. Uh, Thanks to all our guests uh, this morning. Will Birchfield, 91.7, the ticket in Detroit. Wings, Oilers tonight. Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli. Hey, Aaron Slichinski, good luck to Aaron coming up at the... uh, Montana's Briar in Regina starting in a couple of weeks. Uh, Matt Laughlin, Devils play-by-play man, and Jason Zubak, world-long drive champion, and, of course, our co-host every Tuesday, Grant Fuhrer. Coming up, top of the hour, it is Fantasy Frenzy with... The former Roshep T-Bird. Connor Alley and the Duke of Delburn. And then at uh, 12 o'clock, it's the lowdown with Alan Mitchell. Jason Greger drives us home from 2 to 6 with the Jason Greger Show. We will have a full report tomorrow morning from the Oilers and Red Wings with our co-host David Schlemko tomorrow morning. Uh, thanks to all our listeners. We really, really appreciate you being a part of the show with uh, the texts and everything else. Uh, once again, top of the hour, it is Fantasy Frenzy. Uh, before that, here is the Duke with a Sports 1440 update. Thanks for for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning.